What's up, everybody? I'm UFC President Dana White. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Shigo Shot Evans. I am Fielder. This is Jimmy Manuel. Yo, baby, this is Burt Watson. That means it's time to roll, baby. We rolling! Yeah! All night long. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Now... There's been a bit of a hiatus, as you probably would have noticed, with the WOCast, and that's because we wanted to get a few uh, ducks in a row and a few things um, checked off the list that have been missing for a while. First off, Raw House Casino. We'd like to welcome them to the sponsorship table. Thank you very much, uh, the ladies and gentlemen of that wonderful outlet, which we'll be telling you a little bit more about in uh, weeks to come. But it's a pleasure. This is one of the things which I think has been missing for a while, and that is a co-host. Now, for those of you who are really into your hip-hop, for those of you who are into good music, for those of you who, you know, frequent Sainsbury's, you might have heard of my co-host. He goes by the tag, My Stiggy. My Stiggy, <laughs> it's a pleasure to welcome you on board to Woe TV and indeed the Wocast. Hey, man, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Mr. Morgan. Now, I think, you know, <laughs> that, let's get the order of the day kind of like sorted and sorted very quickly. Mm. I think, you know, that the accolade which... I could really bestow upon you and that is you are a legendary figure in terms of Whoa. UK hip hop. You are you think one so? of the pioneers. Yeah. Wow. I was looking, I have to say, I, I went I went on, on a bit of a musical odyssey mm. in the week and I was looking at uh, your journey. And yeah. you've been up there in terms of releases. Obviously you've stood on your own, but you've been up there in terms of, you know, people who you've collaborated and we're looking yeah. at like, you know, you know, the pioneers. So you've been on the scene for a hot minute. But, you know, far be it for me to steal your shine, steal your limelight. I'm gonna <laughs> let you in the in the words of your own uh describe, you know, where you've been, where's your pedigree and um where are you going to? Yeah, right, thank you very much, man. Well, um as people know now, my name is Mice Diggy. Um, formerly Maestro with a Y, so M-Y-S-T-R-O. And so I've been releasing um, hip-hop music independently uh, since, I'd say, 2000. Um, yes, a long time ago, Mother Lovers. And, uh, you know, the thing is about it is that um, I think I came in with the mentality of wanting to make music that would last, you know, a long time, as well as try and take people's minds away from where they are at the moment. So in terms of um you know my subject matter or my style of music has always been you know all round i'm not necessarily the guy you'd expect just to do one thing so whether it be a comedy style of rap whether it be uh intelligent more conscious style whether it be a creative style like whoa what made him think of that that's the type of music i grew up on and so that's what i wanted to convey when it was time for me to make this a career and so luckily throughout that time and obviously having the mentality I've got with, which is not necessarily like, oh, I need to get signed or I need the manager to do this for me or I need someone to, it's like, I think I'm quite capable of doing a lot of the things myself. Obviously learning the business is key. So once I learned how the business works, then it was a, a time to like sort of execute everything right and so make EPs or albums that I felt were quality and put them out in a way that I felt was good enough for people to receive them and take it serious. Um, and then it led on to, um, so I've released with different labels, um, worked with a bunch of artists, supported a bunch of artists from, you know, the Wu-Tang Clangs, the KRS-One to Rodney P. You know, I've worked with Rodney P and Black Twangs for people who know about um, the UK side of things in terms of hip hop. 
And then um, progressively, it's just been a thing of, as I said, me not wanting to just stick to one style of, of um, subject matter or one style of how I present myself. Um, there was someone asked me to do like a UK wrap up, um, which was the wrap up for all my American listeners out there is originated by a guy called Mad Skills who turned his name to Skills. And he decided to like sort of wrap up what had gone on throughout the year in in uh, not necessarily in sort of entertainment world, I call it, because it might be to do with music, might be to do with TV, but it would just be the big news that sort of happened in America. And he'd done it for about 10 years or something like that. And then someone asked me to do it because they, a lot of people were always felt like we couldn't relate to everything he was saying. It, you know, some of the sports stuff, we don't follow American football like that or so on and so forth. And so, I, I th- you know, being me, I like the challenge when it comes to creativity. So I thought, boy, this is going to be hard. I don't really follow what we do in the UK that much, but let me see if I can. So you do a bit of research. The first time I did it was for um, 2009 um, and then managed to cram a whole, you know, it's like a six, seven minute long tune or whatever, but managed to cram a lot of the news that was going on throughout the UK um, into it as well as do a video for it and whatnot. And then it became a thing I did every year for about five years. The end of the year, people were waiting for the UK wrap up, you know, Um, but I kind of got sick of doing it just because um, for one, it felt like the years were going too quick. for two, there was this whole sort of underflow of polit- politics involved, you know, like this outlet wants it first or that outlet or this person wish they were mentioned or, you know, all these things that I, it started to feel like I was getting the wrong type of attention, not, yeah. the, not the type of attention I wanted from it, which was, I did it just to have fun. Mm. A lot of the stuff I don't really follow. So if I want to take the mick out of it, I can obviously not be too disrespectful, but if you've done it, you know, if the cat fits, wear it, like you've done this, so I'm going to mention it. It's not like I'm making up stuff. And so from there, you know, it was either I would go to a radio station and they'd say, yeah, we, we want we want you to perform it, but can you take out these bits because we don't want to get in trouble? Wow. Or, you know, some known artist managers hitting me up. Yo, man, wanna, you just go for dinner or go for lunch. I can take you out for lunch. And I'm thinking, oh, whoa, maybe they want to manage me. But lo and behold, it's like, no, they want me to mention their artist. Or, wow. you know, there's all these undertones of weird stuff. And then... So they wanted to use you basically as PR, publicity. Yeah, exactly. And looking at it like that. And so that's a bit hard. I'm a human being, first of all. I'm not a robot. You know, I'm sure you know within certain industries, you have to be slightly soulless to to maintain. I don't know whether the people know that they're soulless or not or know that they're, you know, they're not really fully human when yeah. it comes to it yeah, yeah. or not. But for me, that's quite hard to deal with because mm. I, I'm not, I'm a realist when it comes to a lot of things. You know, I'm not really into the whole... Um, glitz and glamour sort of pretend you're somebody that you're not sort mm. of thing which is a lot in the entertainment world unfortunately that's what people um, show a lot of attention to and so a lot of people feel they need to do that when you don't need to there's, you know, there's going to be people out there that do that but I think it's more about the quality of your material that you're putting out there that says a lot more about your character and who you are and there, there's no you know best of date when it comes to that it will last a lot. It will stay on the shelf a lot longer than what we like to call the bubble. You know, you chew bubble gum for two minutes and the flavor's gone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so there was a lot of that happening. And in the end, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do this UK wrap up stuff. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, it's taking away my Christmases, my New Year's, you know, all for the sake of a few views. And 
some, like I said, something I wasn't really that into, but some because someone mentioned, oh, it's a good idea to do it, and it was good. It was good for me to keep my name out there, whether I was releasing material or not. People will remember. But then it started becoming a thing that, you know, it comes out January the 1st or whatever, drop a video a week or two later, and then already in February, can't wait till the next one. Can't wait till, you know, and you're like, what? Like, hold on, I've got this material that's going to come out this year. Yeah. You're not bothered about that. So then I started thinking to myself, okay, maybe I should start working on my material to be, to get that kind of notoriety the UK rap outs are getting. I felt like I worked harder trying to make my album Maestrogen, you know, or the deluxe version yeah. than I did to do, to just cover what happened throughout the year in a funny way or in a creative way. You know, it felt like a lot more harder work. So I wanted people to appreciate it that way. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then um, a couple of years after that, so I think the last one I'd done was 2013 maybe. And then um, it might have been in 2014 or 15, uh, a guy called Michael Morgan from World TV <laughs> never heard of him <laughs> hits me up and says uh, oh I'd be sick if you because you put the idea in my head he's like I'd be sick if you did an MMA wrap up okay and I was like oh man that would be crazy but do I know enough about it for one and then for two how would it be received mm. and so I think a year or two had gone by and then I hit you up and said you know what I'm going to try and do because ch- like I said I love the challenge so let me see how the hell am I going to wrap up the MMA scene, yeah, you know, how am I going to be able to talk about, obviously you've got the USCs, the Bellators, you know, people that are like in the upper echelon, uh, sorry, promotions in the upper echelon, but then how am I going to cover, you know, the the more regional circuit to make it an MMA wrap-up, not a UFC wrap-up, you know, that sort of thing. And then um, obviously you helped me out with the research and whatnot. And then, yeah, it just came together, um, working with a guy called Keith Price on an LP at the moment. And he's the funny thing is he was the, he was the other guy that put him to my head as well because he's a big Muay Thai fan but heavy into MMA. Right. And we didn't know until we until we started talking about a track that we did, which involved um, an idea from Tim Ferriss. I don't know mm. if you heard about the Four Hour Working Week. No. Well, he's done a book called the Four Hour Working Week, and I did a song over one of Keith's beats to do with that um, energy, with that sort of mentality. Right. And then when I said to him, yeah, I read this book, Keith Ferris, and he said, oh, wow, yeah, I remember seeing him on Joe Rogan's podcast. And then I was like, oh, ah. do you check Joe Rogan? And then we started, oh, MMA, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> So we had a digital man hug yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over that. And then it was like, okay, well, let's try and do this uh, MMA wrap-up. So we did one for 2015 and then um, did one for 2016. And, and it's going well, man. Everyone's it's, really... It's going phenomenally well. Yeah, I must wicked. say, you have linked up with... One of I reckon one of the most phenomenal producers out there. His yeah. his his sound. Mm. I have to say, it takes me back, but it takes me forward and it keeps yeah. me present. That's it's the thing about him. It's got a bit of the '90s feel in it, and it's got obviously he's kept progressive. He's kept up to date. Yeah. And so it's got that you know that now feel to yeah, it, and definitely. that's why I feel for me he really does resonate. He really does work yeah. on that level. Yeah, definitely, man. Like Keith, he's, it's weird as well because he sent a few beats because obviously picking the right beat is key because not everybody is into hip hop. Yeah. The way we, me and you might be, and so we want to keep it a fun type of beat, enough space in there. But then because it's going to be a six, seven minute long song, we don't want it to 
get monotonous either. Mm. So he sent a few beats. I was like, oh, not sure about this, not sure about that. That might not work. They're all good beats, but not for a wrap up, you know. And then the next minute he was like, bam, I think I found it. He said, yeah, you know, once you get, once you gave me the right sort of direction, he's heard this sample and then made it on the spot and then sent it. I was like, bruv, that's it. That's the beat. So yeah. Mm. So we went with that. So anyone who hasn't seen it, search for uh, Mice Diggy MMA Wrap Up 2016. And uh, it will just remind you about what happened last. What a crazy year we had last year, man. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, well, that was last year. And, you know, as I say, I, I am, you know, pleased that you've come on board because Pleasure to really be and here, truly, man. it's nice to have a different perspective. Mm. It's all well and good to be speaking to those people who either practice it mm. or those people who are in the industry themselves. Like, you know, maybe they're a commentator on the side mm. or maybe they are a trainer. But you're coming from a unique perspective, and that mm. is, there's a fan element to how you actually bring uh, what you do to the table. But mm. also, there's a knowledge because, um, from what I gathered, you're very quite deep into the London shoot um, mm. uh, community, and the, the the London shoot have actually welcomed you into the yeah into the, yeah. So obviously my love for MMA got a lot stronger and stronger um, over the last sort of six, seven years. When I, I'll admit, the first time I saw it, me and my boy Jargon, we, you know, he's a guy that I rap with. Um, we, so I'd go around to his house and we'd be writing and he'd have UFC, the early UFCs on. Mm. And obviously for me, I, I'd watch it and i think, how is this, little, you know, Roy Hoist beating... I was like, how is this little guy beating this big guy? And I still felt like, uh, you know, wrestling, you know, one, you know, when you get older and you realise wrestling was fake. Mm. And the, man, that upset me, you know, like 12, 11, 12 years old. I was like, man, they fooled me for about three, four years. And then, you know, years later, um, UFC comes along. And obviously it was more of a no holds barred look and everything about it felt like, what wrestling was when you were a kid. Mm. But then I couldn't understand how these little people were beating these big, you know, I remember seeing Hoist chopping down, was it Hoist who was chopping down, um, this dude with the beard, I forgot his name now. Um, old school, man. But, you know, chopping his leg down and he's way bigger than Hoist Gracie. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how, how the hell does that work out? But lo and behold, the funny thing is, you, you got me to do an intro for, uh, was it UC... MMA? MMA? Yeah, yeah. That was when, uh, you got me to do a walk-in for Lee. Lee Resurrect. Resurrect, yeah, shout out to... I, I completely forgot about you that. forgot about that. Yeah. Shout out to the Ninja. So that was the first time I got to see it in real life. I'd yeah. watched, you know, I'd skimmed through watching Tough and things like that on the TV. But this is now me seeing it for real. And once I saw blood and sweat and, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh, they're really doing it. Mm. Then I, I just got immersed in it like crazy. I just had to go back. All right, let me watch... From the beginning, UFC one. Yeah. Let me watch all the prides. Let me, you know, hip hop. That's the hip hop mentality. Is like, Immerse all right, you got to dig. It. Yeah, you got to yeah. pay respects to where it came from. Mm. So, I did all of that, and I was just amazed at how I couldn't believe these guys were really doing this for you know, not pennies, but not as much as they deserve. Yeah. And so it just it it resonated with me in terms of how much heart they've got, um, how much determination, and how brave. You know, to step into a, a, a fight, to know that for the next eight weeks, I'm going to be training for this fight. Mm. And I don't know what this other, my opponent's doing, but I'm preparing myself to, to go and perform. So as an MC, I can understand that the nerves will be there. You know, before you're going on stage, 
And then also you want to make sure what you're doing on stage is is good enough that people can appreciate and want to pay to see you again. Yeah. So there's all these factors. And in terms of fighting, that's a whole nother level because your your whole body's involved in making sure that this performance is the best performance you can ever put yeah. on, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So from that I started um, you know, just getting immersed in it. And then my missus, she for my birthday, um, a few years ago, she got me um uh you know like a, a free like a month with shoot fighters membership okay. yeah membership mm. so i was like oh, you know it wasn't far from where i lived so i went there um i did you know my first week of jiu-jitsu so actually started the first time i did jiu-jitsu was with tsg i'm not sure if you know team shawbrook yeah, yeah, which yeah. is Shawbrick. yeah yeah um shout out to daniel and all the crew daniel Bazaar. Yeah, mm. and um, that gave me confidence to go into shoot fighters. Like, okay, I might not get killed yeah. like I thought I would. You know what I mean? And then um, from there, I just I just fell in love with it, man. I did get injured with jujitsu um, a few months in um, from not warming up properly, right. but um, I carried on just doing muay thai and not kicking too much. And then now it's been like two and a half years or something like that. And um, yeah. I just love it, man. It's really, it's helped me creatively as well because mm. I think it's a good outlet. I don't plan to, uh, you know, get involved in <laughs> competing. Yeah, I don't think, I think I'm too old for that we now. We won't but see you on Cage Warriors soon then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think just in terms of keep fit and, and um, keeping a healthy mind, it, uh, uh, like MMA training is the one for me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, so now um, I've just been watching nearly everything I can and learning from that. Mm. So when it's time to go train, I can apply that as well, you know? And speaking of which, I'm guessing that you, you saw what went down last weekend Ooh. with uh, Bellator 170. Yep. Now, I'm not saying, I, I want to make sure that, you know, our solicitors are on hand <laughs> to make sure that this is uh, applied right, yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it was a worked fight. Mm. But Wait, are we talking about the co-main? We are talking the about the main event. <laughs> there there is no way that you could apply that to the co-main. Know, but I'm talking about the main event where we saw, I mean, really and truly, okay, Chel Sonnen and um, Tito Ortiz, they are, I think, with respect, legends. Mm. And um, if you want my personal take on it, I think that there is a certain romanticism that you attach to legends that you don't want to see them go out with any blemish mm. on their name, especially when a lot of people have been tagging them with this fixed or worked fight label. Yeah. Now, for me, from where I was sat, and I've watched the footage over and over, I think I've watched it 10 times mm. over, it did look as though there was either a half-hearted approach or half-hearted attempt to signal um, when uh, Chelsea had the choke on to let him know that, you know, bruv, I'm actually going out here. Oh. That's what it looks like. Now, I'm not saying that's what actually occurred mm. because obviously this label is what you would give to something like WWE, a worked or a fixed mm. fight. This doesn't actually apply, as we all know, in MMA. And MMA, I wouldn't yeah. like to think that. But it was very hard to construe it or to actually see it in any other light. Mm. When you actually see the footage, and I slowed it down and watched it over and over again, it's very hard not to have that actually, you know, on your kind of like... Um, radar when you look at that it looks as though there was some kind of signaling going on but mm. they were also because uh, uh, i haven't watched it as as you know intense as you have mm. in terms of but i want to do that 
but uh, so I've watched it about three or four times in terms of that sequence that people were saying where Tito tapped. But what I noticed in the fight was it felt like they were talking to each other, as well. or it looked like they might have been talking to each other. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, but... You see, again, you see, I, I'm not really going by that because I'm trying to look at what actually does not really apply in the normal scheme of a fight. Mm. Now, there's, there's, there's talking in fights. Mm. That does occur. There is... Um, uh, baiting in fight. Yeah. There is, uh, how can I put it? Sage Try, Wolf cut. Tr- tr- yeah, <laughs> there, there, there is basically a way in which a, a fighter will try and rile his opponent. Mm. So I can't really look too much into that. All I can say is that I've never seen anything like that mm. apart from when I've watched occasionally wrestling where mm. you get somebody who is almost being choked out and it's like, well, hold on, this isn't what we actually worked on. Let me give you a signal uh, that uh, perhaps I might be going unconscious. Now, as I keep saying, look, I'm steeping this, uh, or I'm, 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 I'm putting this in really, really clear cut words. I'm not saying that they were cheating. I'm not saying it was choreographed. I'm not saying it yeah. was worked. I'm just saying that it looked as though there was a bit of signaling going on there. Okay, see, all right, I want to watch, look back and see that now. Mm. But what I did feel from it, if anything, it felt like, because Tito seemed like Tito throughout the whole thing, you know, the mumbling, stumbling, awkward, very intense. And, you know, at the beginning, it felt like, okay, there's a bit of WWE acting, just because obviously Tito's got his way of talking and... He's acting, you know, it's all very contrived, like very WWE style. Mm. And then Chell has got his more or less WWE style of promoting and talking. And, you know, the the fact that for one, Chell didn't look fight ready. No. You know, watching his warm, he did, they did an open workout thing and it was like the different, the comparison between how Tito was working it and how Chell was. He had a looked dad different. I've got His big, body. I've got firmer abs than him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's out, you know, the body was just like, whoa, like, what mm. are you doing here? Mm. And then, so in the fight, I couldn't, I feel like my, you know, my conclusion is that maybe Chell was happy to give T.O. his swan song. Wow. Like, because, you know, it's quite, it's quite an offense if, if a promotion is involved in fixing a fight. Mm. So I really doubt that promotions are going to go there. It's actually illegal. And, yeah, it's um, illegal. Exactly. People, and then also the same thing happens. be put in prison. For yeah, what? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing with, so people say that about UFC, but they could get into a lot of trouble. And, and as we've already spoke about, the fighters don't get paid enough. Yeah. So as soon as you're cut, why would you not say, you know, you know they fix fights. I can prove it or whatever. Yeah, 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 no yeah. one's done that yet. The True. only person was Wanderlei. And then he withdrew you know, that. Yeah, he withdrew that yeah. for reasons we don't know. But mm. I can, I don't think people will go to that, you know, or you, a promotion will go to that extent. But I do feel that Chell, he's bounced back from so many losses yeah. that it doesn't matter. He's had quite a rough year, you know, about his, um, he lost his, his child. Yeah. And obviously, uh, um, you know, the, the whole thing of coming back to um, UFC and then not, then choosing. Bellator had everyone thinking, oh, what, so do Bellator allow you to take drugs then? Or what, yeah. what's the deal with that? Yeah. Um, but I think it was maybe more to do with sponsors because he left before, prior to the um, Reebok sponsorship deal. I'm going right? to throw this out there. I personally think that it was down to money. Yeah, now, yeah. The bottom line is this. Chell 
is a businessman. What he's doing for a living, obviously, this is his main source of income. So he's going to have to maximise as much mm. of an income as he can. Mm. I don't think he'll be able to do that at the stage of his career that he is now in the UFC. UFC he yeah. would definitely be able to do that, especially look at the ambassadorship that he shows Bellator. Look at the spokesman role that he sort of um, mm. adopted. But not only that, look at the star power that he also attracts. Mm. But I think as well, he's a very, very shrewd businessman. And I think it just boils down to plain and simple cash. Cash, yeah, mm. definitely. So I, I feel that was a big part. And whether it be because of Reebok or because, you know, a lot of them have lost some big money on sponsors. Absolutely. Like Shao, but obviously Mitrione was happy to leave as well because yeah. of that. Um, so to me, I feel like, you know, maybe he didn't. Might, he doesn't care if you. You know, he can bounce back from this loss mm. and and carry on. He seemed quite sort of. I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but usually the way Chell speaks compared to how he spoke, at or how he was responding to questions at the post-fight presser, yeah, kind of said a lot as well. Almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just get this out of the way because you know. Yeah, 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 I lost that fight, but let's move. Oh, yeah. You know, everything was like, oh, yeah, no, because of it. Where usually he's like, I'm the do the do and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it almost felt like he, I don't know, they were happy to see T.O., you know, do his little moonwalk and... Ride off into the yeah, sunset. Yeah, ride off Victorious. into the sunset and all that. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, like a lot of people have said, that's how you, you leave the game, you know? Mm. And... Well, that's how you'd want to leave the yeah. game. Yeah. doesn't always follow, but the thing I would say is... It, mm, it's true. It's... it's, it's Coincidentally, you were talking about the way in which Chell was handling things because it is almost as though he was looking forward to basically what else is on the yeah, table. Yeah, and exactly. let's face it, it's Vanderlei Silva. It has to be yeah. Vanderlei Silva. The way that um, things actually transpired when they were in the UFC, that left an unopened or an unfinished chapter there. Yeah, and exactly. now they get to actually pick up where they left off. We're talking about the shit talking. We're talking about basically the, anim the animosity. We're talking about the build up. Yeah. Can you imagine Massive. what that fight will look like? Yeah. No wonder he's keen to move on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I guess that that's a very, I mean, he went over there for Vandalay, but then ended up having this Tito thing. And yeah. there was a good storyline behind it as well, the yeah. whole wrestling years ago. Mm. And, you know, just the way Tito was like, man, I want to get him back for that. Um, so I think that's probably where they were at. And maybe Chell wasn't, you know, he looks so soft. I'm what People are saying like, <laughs> yeah, people are saying like, wow, did he, you know, is that what you look like when you, you don't have steroids or yeah. does he really need them? You know, mm. all this sort of stuff. But I feel that maybe he just wasn't that bothered about beating T.O. or losing to T.O. He's mm. just like, Listen, all right, let me get some money now. Then I can start my training camps properly. Maybe, you know, that's the reason, but it was weird. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know about the Phantom Tap. You know, I don't know about all of that, but it was questionable. Chell, when he got into that choke, when T.O. had his back or kind of had his back, his side or whatever it was, it felt like, it kind of looked like Chell turned into the choke you know, he kind of turned in to defend it, but then turned back to get, you know, so Tito's arm could get deeper. Which, for his calibre of wrestling, come on, that's a rookie Weird. mistake. Massive rookie mistake. Yeah. But, you know, he did say that he'd been injured um, mm. uh, in the fight itself. So I'm sure that's what he alluded to, if okay. he didn't actually say explicitly that uh. he was, you know, um, working through an injury which he'd sustained on mm. the night. So... Okay. As I well. say, it left a bad taste in my mouth. But I tell you what, actually, obviously, left the lasting impression. Now there's KO Daily. I'm going to call him. 
Paul Semtex Daily, yeah. his KO was absolutely incredible. That was and like amazing, I spoke man. to him because I, I was I was I was really really keen to find out whether it was the actual elbow, the spinning elbow that split Ben and Ward because you would have more than likely seen the picture, mm. which um, was actually doing the, the rounds on social media. But I wonder whether it was the elbow that did that or the knee. But he said no, it, it was the knee. Yeah, he spoke I think to, it's the knee. Yeah, he spoke to Ben and Ward and he said. Um, yeah, he confirmed it. He said, mm. "Yeah, you split my face with that knee." Man, that 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 sequence was just crazy. Mm. So he, you could see him, you know, winding up for that elbow to to release off the clinch. Yeah, bam, he hits him, and then Ward, you, you know, when you look at the the, the replay, you can yeah. see Ward stumbles a little bit, and then what do you, you know, for most fighters who've come from a wrestling background, when you get stunned a little bit, or yeah. what do you go? You go for the shoot. Daily knew that, bam, bam, and then like he's whoa, he's he's touching on a. Uh, MVP's knockout of the year last year for that one. But, but you see, because that neatly <laughs> segues into um, Michael Venom Page's response. Now, mm. he said something along the lines of, uh, I see someone has been watching my fight. <laughs> now, don't quote me exactly, but it was along that kind of sentiment. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I love Michael Venom Page like the next man. I know he's your brother because you're down with the London shoot, <laughs> but let's call it as it is. This isn't the first time that we've seen that style Fly of knee, knockout, yeah, no. that flying knee from Paul Daly in particular. Uh, if I remember rightly, um, I'm trying to remember who he fought. It was Patrick Vali. I was cage-side for this in mm. Ireland, and he did exactly the same thing mm. years before wow. MVP's <laughs> KO no, by I, flying knee. I mean, yeah, I, it's in terms of it being Bellator, then both being welterweights, then yeah. both being from the UK, I think mm. that's... That's where the connection is and that's where it should lie. Like, there's been a lot of flying knee knockouts and it wasn't the same type of knee either. Um, you know, they're both flying knees, but I think Paul's was sort of the, where you, you know, you flash one knee and throw up the other sort of thing. Whereas uh, MVPs, if if I recall correctly, was sort of Just one the knee. rear knee. Yeah. Mm. And that, I mean, to be fair, that was more like, whoa, how did you know to do that? You know, sort of thing. Um, so I, I think the sensationalism around... Uh, MVP's KL was the finish. He yeah, just stood yeah. there stood motionless. There, exactly, Talk yeah. about non-walk-off KO. Yeah. This was like a, this, this. This was like I'm going to admire my work, yeah. and as well as that, I'm going to follow it up with some popular culture by throwing <laughs> in a Pokemon ball. So that's why I think there was a lot of heat, a lot of traction. Plus, I mean, yeah, I won't take anything away from it. It was a spectacular knockout. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely definitely spectacular. Yeah, but I mean, going back to Daily Man, what you know. What's next for him now, do you reckon? Like, getting a KO like that over... Um, Brennan Ward was a prospect. Obviously, people um, talking about Ward facing better competition, you know, if he gets the win off of this. But now that um, Daly has sort of said, OK, I, I should be the one. Do you think he gets a title shot next? Or is he still needs a, a couple... What I would like to see, I don't know what will actually happen, but... Bellator is due back on these shores this year. Yeah. Bellator needs some kind of pull, some say. kind of magnetism, some kind of uh, extinction level event. I'll tell mm. you why. Last year, they came here, they made a, uh, how can I put it, a good start in terms of their, their card. Um, it was a spectacular card. Mm. But in terms of uh, how Daly actually fits into this, I think... Daily, first of all, needs to be on the London card when they come back to mm. London, Bellator. And I think it needs to be Daily versus MVP. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's gonna... just give the fans what they want. Everybody has been clamoring for this from the time that Daily and um The British invasion yeah, around it, that time. Exactly, yeah. around that time. Now the way that I look at it is this. 
Um, I know that I'm trying to fan the flames by doing this because I spoke to Paul Daly. feel it already. And I, I, I said to him, you know, what's your whole feeling about Michael Page? And he said, Michael Page is... No, this is what he said. He said, I'm Mayweather and Michael Page is... Um, God, what's the guy's name in boxing? Not Pacquiao. No. Oh, An- wow. Andre... Oh, Andre Ward. Andre Ward. Serious? Yeah. Wow. Now, the way that I look at it is this. <laughs> the, way that, the, way that, the way that I look at it is this. That's fighting talk. Yeah. Them's fighting that is, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I want to do next, I want to talk to Michael Page. I want him to retort. Yeah. I want to keep this flame going as yeah. much as I can because I want to see them two fight. I'll tell you this as well. I spoke to Michael Page uh, last year and... British invasion, no, no, uh, uh, when they came, when Bellator came to the UK, mm. um, on the list of people that he could have fought because his original opponent uh, actually pulled out through injury mm. was Paul Daly. Daly, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that, yeah. actually. And so, um, but I think, obviously, the, the obvious thing is that you want it to, like, now it's more, I think it would be more monumental than it was or it would have been back in the sort of British invasion yeah. days, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because of the fact that now they've both got some notoriety mm. in terms of being in Bellator. Like obviously both of them in with in respect have got their own sort of following. But then now it's gonna be a bigger thing because it's in the UK, in London, they're both UK guys, they're both welterweights. Mm. And they've got you, it's people like you fanning the flames. Yeah. There are a lot of people talking like, yo, this is what needs to happen. Personally, I kind of felt like I'm not sure whether, because I thought they were cool with each other. You know, it seemed pretty like they were, they were quite cordial in that in that presser. I remember the British Invasion presser, mm. and it sounded like they trained together and you know different things like that. But obviously, this is a sport. This is a job, you know. And and um, we they're in put, the same division. Yeah, we're in the same. They're in the and same division towards the same thing. They mm. both want the belt. So in order to advance their position, one a lot of people have been saying this of MVP. He needs to fight credible competition. Yeah, but two more importantly. This is about putting bums on seats. Mm. I think that this will be definitely um, an arena filler if you were to put that on. But I think the most important thing is, I think in terms of um, how events are built up, I think in terms of video. Now, can you imagine Mm. when you put Michael Page's KO flying knee and (laughs) Semtex Daly's KO flying knee and then you have those words over it. The two knockout specialists coming together. (laughs) Oh, for man. the first time on UK soil. That type of narrative, yeah. man, that speaks to me. Speaks yeah, to that me is, that is big. It is big. I, I, you know, because obviously I, I, I feel for, I, I'm a, I rate both of them. Like, I look up to both of them highly. And so this is one of those fights where I don't want anyone to lose, you know. Mm. It's 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 going to be hard to watch it. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. I think it will be, it's going to be an explosive one, man, definitely. So um, let's, let's see what happens with that. But... <laughs> Otherwise, there, there's not really much else out there for them, is there? Well, no, I, I, I'd beg to differ. I would say for Semtex, obviously, um, he looked a completely different fighter to how he did when he fought Douglas Lima. Definitely. And the way that I look at it is this. He said to me often, look, I'm a belt collector. That's what I'm about. I'm into collecting belts. Mm. That's the next logical step for mm. him. Look, he shook off the rust. He shook off basically any of the issues which he had going into the Douglas Lima fight. He has definitely shown in my eyes anyway that he's a completely different beast. But the most mm. important thing is 
he's in this to be a, a belt collector, mm. a champion, as you rightly say. And that's just the, the next logical step for him. So do you think, because Lima's a champ at the moment, yeah, right? That's so right. do you think then he should get, you know, part two with the, with the Lima? Because obviously with Venom, he could be on the card anyway and still mm. draw a crowd. Mm. And, you know, with respect to his last performance, um, maybe that was something he might need to redeem before he get. People are going to be like, you know, look how he fought against that guy. Why should he be, why should this be a number one contender fight against Daly? Daly should maybe get the, a chance to be, you know, to collect his belt, mm. um, get a part two. Because that was a close fight with Lima. That was, it wasn't like he got totally dominated all the way. From what I remember. I love Paul to death, but I think that he basically he, he gassed out, wasn't it? Um, well, I think he got um, how can I put it? I wouldn't say rocked, but he got surprised mm. very early on in that fight. Mm. In that he was knocked down, he was knocked down, and that shook his confidence. That's what it yeah, looked like okay. because going forward, it was almost as though his approach was tentative, yeah, it was because of that. Though, okay, yeah, it yeah. was almost as though oh, I've got to be really, really wary, I've got mm. to be really, really careful of you because I can see what you're capable mm. of now, and. I personally think, I hear where you're coming from, but I think I've said this already today. For me, MVP needs to show and he needs to shut up and, 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 and well, he needs to shut the doubters up that he hasn't fought anybody of any caliber. Caliber, yeah. Daily is that caliber, which I feel that he needs mm, to be fighting. True, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess, okay, let's wait and see what they do. But I, I feel like um, them two for a title... Mm. would be even bigger. And that's where, you know, I feel like Daly could possibly get the title off Lima and then if MVP wins his next one, yeah. bam. But I guess because of the timing in, in terms of it being on UK soil, they might have to make that happen sooner, like you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let's wait and see, man. But yeah, it was it was a decent card, man. Um, I enjoyed a couple of the fights, but then one or two of the fights were like, you know, like the Gracie... Oh, fight was kind of weird. Um, it seemed like he only woke up in the last sort of two minutes of the whole fight or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I don't know this for definite. I don't know this as fact. But I question his intention for signing with Bellator. I question his intention for coming mm, back. He obviously that? owes a lot of money uh, to oh. those people who are looking for payout from Metam Metam Metamorris. Yeah, yeah. Now, he owes people. And I think that it may be a way of actually settling his debts. I'm, I don't know for certain, but mm. it made me question, why have you? Why are you in Bellator now? What have you come back mm. for? What is it? Why is it you've returned to... Well, basically, it, it, it smacks of, you know, I want to show willing that I'm trying to settle my debts. That's what it looked like. Mm, yeah, you because could be right, man. if you listen to the build-up, there wasn't any... There wasn't any fighting talk. There wasn't any hunger. It was almost as though this is a perfunctory way of actually uh, debt management. Yeah, and it, it felt like, because he, he was saying, you know, uh, uh, sort of the whole seven years away from it all. And um, when he first started, he felt like, maybe you know, maybe I'm just doing this because this is what my family does. Do I really want to do this? But mm. then seven years later, now he's like, yeah, this, you know, it's my calling. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So all of a sudden. Yeah, and mm. it was just a shame that, because in that last two minutes, it was like, oh, okay, this is what you're okay. But at first, all the weird stomping and like, bro, you're going to give yourself shin splints <laughs> doing all that. Like, what is all that? You know, I didn't really get it, but, um, and then I, I, I like the first fight with um, the two Derricks as well. That was pretty, pretty, um, 
there was a lot of clamming going on, you know. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, a bit of barn burning going on there. So it's a good way to start, but it was a shame that one or two of the fights weren't really, you know. I still enjoy watching Bellator, though. I'm not, you know, definitely enjoy watching um, even the prelims sometimes because you, you'll be surprised at what, you know, what happens. One thing I, knew, I think they need to sort out, you know, I, I, I really am hoping that they do this before what, the, name? the next... Um, the next Bellator show in London, they need to sort out a TV deal. Now, how in are people UK. in the UK going mm. to watch this live? It's no good, I think. Mm. You know, treating us like second-class citizens and giving us um, it on, you know, tape delay by a week. Now, yes, yeah, weird. To me, that considering that you've got that relationship with Viacom, i.e., you know, there's an in here with Channel Five. Why not actually have it as a live event? And I really hope that they do put together a card which is befitting of a live TV mm. event. Maybe, you know, somebody might be listening to this from Bellator and maybe, you know, we, we might get the respect that I feel that we're due as an audience over here and that is live programming. And even that means they'll get the respect that they're due because people, we're able to talk about these fights, you know, in real time as yeah. opposed to like, you know, a week later when it's like, oh, what? Oh, I didn't even know that was on, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and obviously everyone discussing it around the world the week before and then we come in a week later it doesn't really make sense exactly and it, I think it hurts Bellator's brand because all anybody talks about in terms of the you know the upper echelon is UFC UFC mm. when there there are definitely good cards on I feel like the last sort of six seven cards of Bellator have been solid there's been a lot of knockouts submissions sometimes it, you know the main card only lasts about an hour because of how quick everything's been finished yeah so it yeah. shows that there's caliber there but because we don't get, like you said, no networks here are showing it live or even at a decent time. I think, is it maybe Spike shows it the week later? Is that right? Yes. Spike I think, TV. I think it is being lined up for Spike t TV. Um, it was on there for a bit. Then it was on Channel 5. Yeah. They had a deal with 5. But then I don't, I don't know what's going on now. But anyway, let's move on. I mean, speaking of, um, you know, um, Bellator. Bellator. Now, the, the way that I look at it is this. I, I'm really hoping on that uh, London card that they really do put out, you know, put out their stall and come with some really serious names mm. because I, I really do feel that will entice people um, in the boardrooms of, say, Channel 5 to actually, you know, pay it to you and actually yeah. they put on something which is going to be what, as I said, we deserve, and that is a, a, a live uh, viewing of... Bellator. Definitely. But moving away from Bellator, um, this is kind of an odd one, really. I mean, this weekend sees Conor McGregor uh, before a live audience of 5,000 people. It's a capacity crowd. It's sold out already. And it's um, basically an interview which is going to be conducted in front of a live audience by Ariel Hawani. Mm. Now, the way that I look at it is this. One of the uh, things that I love about uh, Conor McGregor is he changes the game mm. regardless of what it is he's actually involved in whether it be media that is online media he's changed the way that you know um, uh, mixed martial art mixed martial artists manage their own media he's got his own media outlet he owns that he runs that mm. he's actually an integral part of actually making that happen the belt structure, the way in which he's become a two-weight division champion. Yeah. But also this. Now, I'm not sure if this is Conor McGregor, uh, Inc., who's actually um, uh, 
suggested this, but this is going to be, because it's a capacity crowd, because 5,000 tickets have already been sold and because it's actually sold out, they're going to actually give people the opportunity to actually, um, well, view this live via a pay-per-view. Now, will you, uh, I'm going to ask you now, are you going to be paying the three ninety nine that <laughs> that these people are asking for an hour with Conor McGregor? Look, I love Conor. I, everything about him that, you know, majority of people love. Same thing for me. And I think it's not just in the cage. He's a great talker. Um, but I think his fighting is what makes his talking even more of a thing, you know? Yeah. If he, if he's got great comebacks, you know, and yeah, fair enough. Sometimes it sounds like he's got it. Yeah, right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, you know, and he sticks to those sort of things. But compared to a bunch of other fighters, mm. you know, he, he's just way up there, even to the point now that he can do um, a pay-per-view interview. Yeah. Um, so this isn't something new. This is something that a lot of celebrities do, you know, like the sort of De Niro. Pacino, and this goes yeah. to what you're saying in terms of how he's, you know, what level he's at in the MMA the world. Yeah, People are willing to, he's already sold out the event. Mm. It's, a, it's a, this Saturday, right? That's right. He's already sold out the event. And um, then I'm sure the pay-per-views are selling. And I think the pay-per-view thing had people thinking, what, oh, 60 pounds for the... <laughs> but no, it's only like two, like, what was it? Three three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. three ninety nine. Um, But the thing is, you know, for me, and I'm not trying to put anybody off of it, but for me... It, I'm paying just to see the guy talk mm. and interview. I'm sure I'm going to find out, you know what I mean, what he said. And, and he's a funny guy and I love hearing him talk and watch him talk, but not enough that I need to pay to do it. Do you get what I mean? Mm, mm, so mm. for me, it's like, no, nah, I'll wait. And, you know, I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, I think Ariel's a great interviewer as well. Um, I know for a lot of people, he, you know, he kind of draws on the sort of emotional side of a fighter or the controversy or the drama. But that's what people love in the news world. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't know about a lot of things to do with a lot of these fighters mm. because somebody's got to do it, basically. And I think Ariel's a great guy for it. Um, so I think it will be a very interesting... Apparently, there's no holds barred. Um, Ariel said he's getting paid by the promotion doing the... Um, the you know, putting on the putting event. The event. So it's yeah. not for, via Con Connor. And he hasn't been told to not ask anything. So, you know, a lot of times with interviews, I, I guess, like, just to mention a name, Ronda Rousey, um, she decided not to do any interviews with the MMA media because she didn't want to get asked the question she was probably going to get asked. Yeah. Um, so she decided to do it with, like, two or three people. And and that's that's cool, but we still don't... Everybody's still asking these questions. Connor doesn't hold back, and he'll answer how he feels fit. Mm. Um, so I'm sure it's going to be a very entertaining... Um, event especially for you know team conor mcgregor and you know there's really i'm sure you know the comments you get if you say anything yeah about mcgregor you know team mcgregor's out there so i'm <laughs> sure yeah it's going to be very lucrative for him as well um and i think you know it's a good way of sort of he's what he's he's really good at is keeping himself out there regardless of whether it makes sense to anybody or not it just gets people talking yeah like the mayweather stuff or you know getting a a, a boxing um license or I'm retired or, you know, all the things that he knows that this is what, this is the society we're in now. People just like to talk about stuff that mm. they're interested in. Mm. So he gives them stuff to talk about. Um, so I think that this this interview is going to be, you know, quite revealing. But for me personally, I'm sure it's not going to be like, oh man, I'm glad, I'm so glad I did. You know, <laughs> I'm a fan of his, but I'm a fan of so many other people as well that the same thing would probably happen where I wouldn't, so yeah, no, I'm cool with not, watching it live do you know what I mean I want to see him fight live 
Mm. There's, a, there's a few compelling questions out there which have gone unanswered from his quarter. Mm. And that is the whole, what is it you are doing next? Obviously, it being Ariel Hawani, there's going to be no holds barred. Mm. There's not going to be anything which is going to be a basic question. Yeah. He's a very complex interviewer in that he doesn't ask basically the run-of-the-mill questions. Mm. He's very cerebral in that respect. But as well as that, you're looking at a very compelling figure in Conor McGregor. Yeah. Anything he says, I have to say, is quotable, is gold, is going to hit headlines. Mm. As a media outlet owner, I will be paying three ninety nine yeah. so I can put <laughs> together my stories. Yeah, because, look, course. the way that I look at it is this. Conor actually equals clicks. Mm. I'm not going to make any bones about that. But as well as that, from a personal point of view, I think he's a fascinating character yeah, yeah. in that there's never been anything like him. Okay, I know this seems to be a Connor quotable, but he has changed the game. Yeah, definitely. He has changed but the game. If, you know, this whole money fight, everyone talking about the money fight to, um, you know, like, not necessarily, obviously, you can't say he's been picking his fights, but obviously with UFC sort of, giving him the right sort of path in order for, you know, and then this is the thing for me, the game changer was obviously the fact that now every, from heavyweights to, you know, everybody's calling him out because that's, you know, that's where the money's at. Yeah. That says a lot about how much he's changed the game. Mm. You know, now everybody's upset with their pay, you know, all these things that people weren't really talking about before Connor, but after Connor, there's so much that people are saying now in terms of um, fighters, especially, like how they feel they've been treated and how they should be treated, that you cannot do anything but admire how much this guy, you know, we've used the term a lot, but has changed the game. Absolutely. You know, completely. And I think on one side, it's a bit worrying for UFC because it's like, uh-oh, if more fighters get this sort of notoriety that he's getting, mm. there's going to be more of this said. But then on another side, he's brought so much attention. There are people that, if I talk about... MMA or UFC, the first name they say is Conor McGregor. Yeah. You know, whilst I was doing this Sainsbury's advert, uh, Sainsbury's advert? Yeah, Sainsbury's advert. <laughs> 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 we'll get into that another time. Even the guys, you know, on that, when I was saying, yeah, I'm just working on this MMA wrap-up about, oh, MMA, oh, what, like Conor McGregor and all that? That's the first name they'd say. Yeah. So it shows how much he's transcended, um, not only um, himself, but the sport to so many other people. And they'll take it more seriously and so I think everything he's getting, he deserves that and more. Yeah. You know, I think there should be fighters that be like, bro, I really, even if it doesn't feel like he's doing it for you, you know, that's the trickle it's down effect. You. Yeah, it's benefited you. Yeah. So you should, people should just give him his props and, you know, hopefully he doesn't talk shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're in the light of fire, boy, shout out to uh, Jeremy Stevens, man. <laughs> if you're in the light of fire, you got to be ready for that, boy. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, just moving away from Conor, obviously, slightly, let's look at where he's come from because um, Cage Warriors are actually putting together a pretty, I would say, well, banging card. Yeah, it looks There's no other way to really describe it because I have to say, um, in terms of what we've got coming up, uh, the one which I have to say really does pique my interest is the return of Vaughn Lee mm. uh, to the cage. And especially, you know, he's actually fighting a highly touted prospect in... Um, Nathaniel Wood. Nathaniel Wood. Now, for me, 
you can't actually look at that and say, you know, one is going to steamroll the other. Mm. I think that's a very competitive match. You've got the UFC veteran coming back uh, to a, a regional show, um, basically trying to, you know, assert his, 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 his experience and dominance. But you've got an upcoming striker in someone like, you know, Dominic Wood, uh, Nathaniel Wood, sorry, who is, you know, on the, on the rise. Mm. Now, I'm going to be watching that. I definitely will be tuning in for that. Yeah, especially for to see where Vaughn is at now. I remember, I think the last time I saw him was in the UFC. And um, there was a while where he seemed like he was, um, he kind of found this sort of very relaxed style of fighting, right? It mm. was, And, you know, he seemed very um, calculated and whatnot. But then I guess it didn't work out. And... We'll, I'm sure we're going to touch on this later as well with um, the upcoming UFC card. But with some fighters, it feels like sometimes they're a bit too relaxed in there. Yeah. And I get the idea is to not get too excited, you know, even when you're sparring and you can, you just get, and you're not thinking right now because yeah. you're overly excited. And I did admire that about Vaughn's style. Um, you know, in the last few fights, I saw that he was very relaxed. But then sometimes I think that can be a detriment because... If the other fighter's not not willing to fight at that pace, now you've got to be the one to to adapt, and I guess that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting fight as well as um, I'm interested to see what Shay Mills has got um, now. He's fighting Thomas Robertson um, on the main card as well, mm. and so that would be interesting to see where Shay's at. I, I felt you know I, I'd really liked this guy because he's got good energy as well but um it kind of didn't work out for him in the ufc in the end um i think they maybe hyped him up a bit much and gave him too tough a competition to start off with maybe because I, I feel like you know coming from a smaller organization and getting into the ufc um a lot of people don't realize the, the size factor like so you know a, a, a lightweight in cage warriors is probably going to be a featherweight in UFC. It seems like a lot of people cut down, you know, they cut weight a lot more just in order to be, you know, sort of um, competitive in the UFC sort of uh, in the realm. To be, to be fair, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. He hung with some serious killers, though. He, okay, he, he took a loss to Rory McDonald mm. for, you know, obvious reasons. I yeah, mean, yeah, Rory yeah. McDonald is an absolute killer. But, you know, let's, let's look at some of the people who he fought when he actually went into the UFC. I mm. mean, he won, you know, it basically was a really quite a savage knee and um, TKO uh, decision um, against Chris Cope. Mm. Now, he won against Dwayne Lud 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 Ludwig. Um, now, the way that I look at it is this. You're not going to get any easy fights in mm. the UFC. So, I think... Given that you know he actually got to the highest echelon, I think he he did okay. Yeah, he did okay. Yeah, he, he did, man. I, I hope to see him back in there again, anyway, or at least you know, um, back on the rise, anyway. But um, yeah, I'm, so I'm interested to see this fight, anyway. Him against Thomas Robertson. Do you know much about Robertson? I don't actually, but I mean, just to say about Shay, one of the the worrying things for me is that. In, in my opinion, I think he has lost to people after his UFC stint to, you know, possibly who he should have gone in there and steamrolled. You're mm -hmm. looking at a loss to Cajal uh, Pendred. You're looking at um, a loss to Jack Marshman. And you're looking at a, a loss to Matt Inman. Now, mm. don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're not 
on his level. They're not high caliber. But I'm just saying, I see or I saw um, Shea Mills being a cut above them. When he went into those fights, I had him down as the favourite, mm. as opposed to you know it being um, a competitive matchup. I, I really did think he'd go in there and um, you know really dominate things, mm. but I, I was quite shocked to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's just a hard one to see as well. When you you know when you look at a prospect and see them doing so well, get rise up to that level, and then and it must be hard, man. When you you've lost one fight, okay, let me come back and see, you know, and then the doubt can just keep coming back every time you get hit. You know, it's funny you mention that because I spoke to Vaughn Lee, who, as I mentioned, is going to be fighting Nathaniel Wood. Mm. I spoke to him a few weeks back, and basically he said that's what happened to him when he went into the UFC. Mm. He basically got to a level where fear was taking hold of his fights as mm. opposed to strategic planning and preparation now in terms of ratios he was spending more time on fear and less time on preparation yeah. so that's where you were getting that tentative approach that's mm. where you were getting the doubt actually coming in and fear was almost crippling him that's why i'm so intrigued as to you know how he will look coming back into a regional show yeah i guess that's why uh, you know a few fighters do they spend a bit of Pennies on the, um, well, not spend a penny in the UK <laughs> the term. Yeah, um, in term, well, a sports psychologist mm. to help you with your mindset. Yeah. So obviously, your body, you know, that will, that that aggressiveness to to finish, you know, this round or of sparring or to get these reps in, or that's there. But then, where's your mind at when it's just you and your opponent in there, and you're now fully recovered from that broken nose or broken orbit all or snapped you know arm or whatever but there's a chance that this could happen you know a good example is the rousey thing so she spent a year away yeah and then came back to face another killer who's really good at striking and we saw how she kind of responded to getting hit that hard and mm. it just didn't seem like somebody who was ready for that you know, and so I think it, it may help to do that, either whether it be meditation or a sports psychologist or something that helps you sort of mentally once you get in there and the, and the cage door is locked. But hopefully we'll see, man, because I think Vaughn Lee's definitely, he's got that zen approach. Yeah. And like you said, hopefully he, he kind of focuses more on the positive and not the negative because this is the fun thing about MMA that I love as well. It doesn't, you could have lost three, four times. If you come back and have a crazy win, that whole, you know, your losses are forgotten about. Oh, definitely. You know, it's not so like boxing where, nah. you know, you're kind of like vilified because you've had a couple of losses. Losses, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, that, that's part, losses are part, of, that's how you learn. Mm. Okay, I won't do that again or I won't do this again. And you get better and better. And we've seen it with like the Lawlers, you know, so many people have come back and become better than they were before. Yeah. Um, so it's, I love that in MMA, people are given that chance. I mean, speaking of losses, I, I, I know... You know, in the coming weeks, we're obviously going to discuss as to what's going to be coming out of the um, European promotions. Mm. You know, the KSWs, the Bammers, who are going to you know look a bit more in depth yeah. into those cards. But you know, talking of losses, it was sad to see that UFC actually called it a day after their first show. Now, the way that I look at it is, we both know it takes a hell of a lot of investment, a hell of a lot of money, a hell of a lot of time and patience to actually grow uh, an MMA promotion. We've seen many come, but we've also seen many go. And it's a shame that UFC, which, you know, was actually building a magnificent second card. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mansur Benui. I mean, he was, uh, he was, you know, 
booked for uh, UFC 2, as well as, you know, some other notables. But the way that I look at it is, it's a shame that after such a massive fanfare that UFC is uh, no more. Why do you think that is then? Like, I I understand, as we've been talking about, in terms Mm. of um, being a promotion... There's so much involved in it. It's not the same as just putting on a concert, you know, let's book Snoop Dogg and yeah. put on a night, you know, yeah. in terms of the where I come from. That's that's the sort of thing you look at in terms of putting an event. Mm. With, uh, you know, a mixed martial art event, you've got at least, you're going to have to book at least eight fighters, um, hoping that they're all going to be healthy enough to turn up. Yeah. You've got to find the venue. You've got to sort out the whole ticket side mm. of thing. So it's not, I, I think, you know, with a lot of, um, startups, they they keep it regional and see how it goes for the next couple of years before they think about you know turning this into something major, yeah. which is probably the, uh, a smarter approach if you don't want to lose money or small and grow big incremental exactly. steps. Yeah. And it's coincidental because you're asking, you know, why do I think that is? Mm. I think that is the kryptonite to every single promotion that has mm. come and gone. They've come in with massive aspirations, yeah. which is admirable but have forgotten that baby steps, incremental steps, is what builds a promotion. You need to build your brand. You don't do that overnight. You need to build your backing. What a lot of people, what they don't realize is you come on board with a set amount of money. Once that money is burned through, there is no second dip at the well because there's no more money to go back to so i imagine i'm not saying you know i've got this on any good authority but i imagine what happened here is what happens for every promotion that has come and gone and that is they came in with the backing of some serious investors the first show happened to massive fanfare and it didn't hit the margins which they said would be the key performance indicators for success and that is bums on seats money in the bank how much we lost Mm. now it's a business just like any other business and as an investor and as somebody who has invested in the past and is currently investing if my money isn't being handled in the right way and that is i'm not getting the return on the investment i'm going to shift my portfolio i'm going to have a reshuffle and that is I'm going to move my money elsewhere where it's going to work harder, smarter, but more importantly, where I think I'm going to get a bigger return on my investment. It's that simple. So that, that's what I think was really the reason why um, UFC actually folded. Yeah, I've just read something that does, it seems that way. Um, they've mentioned, you know, in 2016, they learned that their mission um, needs more funds and time than expected. So there you go. Yeah, there you go with that. And so it seems like they're, they're talking about coming back early 2018 mm. and postponing the two cards that they did have booked, which was, um, what was that, February and May or something like that? Warning bells. Yeah. Warning bells already. I'll yeah. tell you why. Why leave such a massive gap between your return? If you're talking about coming back next year, mm. what, will have te- what will have actually changed? Will new investors have come on board who also will be looking to have a return on their investment? Mm. So I don't know how that's going to change anything. Mm. The second thing I would say is, leaving it until 2018, they actually established a brand. With a brand, you need to keep on going yeah. in order to build that up. And especially in such a competitive space, especially in terms of, we've got one of the biggest 
stadium shows that Europe has ever seen happening in May through KSW. Now, this is what promotions are actually, uh, in terms of competition, working with. Mm. Now, in order to actually compete, in actually to establish yourself as a brand, establish yourself as a name, you need to be working, you mm. need to be putting on shows, you need to be basically out there competing with your competitors. With that hiatus until, what, 2018? 18, yeah. What are they going to be doing in between that time? Yeah. Uh, you know, go back to Ronda Rousey. She took mm. a whole year out and look what happened, man. There you go. You know, like, it's very true. I, I hope that, you know, if anything, what they've learned from it is, yeah, maybe we should start a bit smaller and build up because other, if they come back trying to do exactly what they've done and then, you know, it's like you're not learning from your mistakes, basically. You know something? A lot of people give him a lot of stick and that is Dave O'Donnell has a tried and tested formula which works for him month in, month out. Mm. He stays in the same place. No international mm. shows. Mm. It's consistently put on events which have local ticket sellers. Mm. They put the bums on seats. He builds his brand. Next show. Yeah. Again, this seems to be a formula which works. works. And that is have consistent ticket sellers, have consistent shows, in exactly the same place mm. for minimal outlay. I can't imagine that he's paying the stadium fees or the arena fees or anything that his competitors are. But Dave O'Donnell is a Still smart here. guy because yeah. he's been down the stadium route or the, the arena route. He knows how costly that can be. Mm. So he's a very, very shrewd character in that it's about brand building. It's about awareness yeah. of your brand. But maintaining your position in the same place mm. he owns the Troxy when you think Troxy you think yeah, Dave O'Donnell UCMMA yeah. that another show could never ever come to the Troxy and do a show like that um, on the level of sorry as, as a mixed martial art promotion yeah. it just wouldn't happen oh, yeah they wouldn't let it happen yeah. <laughs> Dave O'Donnell owns the Troxy in terms of, you see what I mean about brand I'm not talking about logos I'm not yeah. talking about fonts I'm talking about the feeling that you get when you mention a certain individual or outfit. When you mention Dave O'Donnell, you think Troxy. When you think of UCMA, you think Troxy. And you also True. think of packed crowds, bums on seats, yeah. money being made. And, you know, to, to bring in, you know, from where I come from, in terms of, like, the world of entertainment, hip-hop and whatnot, uh, music, I should just say, if you're, if you're going to do, say you, you decide you want to do a launch party mm. for your next release or whatever... People have learned now that it's better to just book somewhere small that gets packed out. People taking pictures left, right and centre. Look how packed it is. Even if it's just 100 people capacity yeah. or yeah. 150. But everyone's going to walk out going, wow, that was crammed. That was, you know, Brand way better building. than when you see all the empty seats in a big arena and it's cold. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. definitely got to learn from that. And uh, yeah, hopefully they do come back. If, if they're for real and they're, they're going to come back with a better strategy or a renewed strategy... Um, which sounds like they've they've taken the hints and possibly, you know, the uh, sort of advice people are giving them. Mm. Then yeah, hopefully we'll see them back. So are they they're from Prague, right? Is that correct? Or I think, I think they were based in in Prague. Ah. Uh, the, the, the exact locale, I have to say, or I I I, I don't recall. Euro but, FC, but it would I would have thought it made sense to stay in your locale and basically build your brand from there. Mm. But I tell you who doesn't do that, and that's <laughs> the UFC, who um, 
who are on their um, Denver, uh, well, pitching their tent up in, in Denver yeah. this Saturday. Up now, high in the, what is that, a mile high, is it, Denver? Is it? I know, yeah, I know there's, it's definitely, um, there's going to be an issue with, you know. Elevation? Air, yeah, elevation. Really? Yeah, yeah, Denver, Colorado, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, someone could correct me on Twitter if, the, if I'm wrong, but mm. I'm pretty sure that it's up there. So that's going to be really interesting. Shevchenko versus um, Pena. Yep. Let's run down the main card. Yes. And obviously there are going to be some also rounds on there. I'm going to be, be pitching you my also rounds. But, you know, the, the way that I look at it is... Uh, it's the old Dana adage. This isn't the most exciting card. But it's got, a few, it's got a few gems in there. It's got a few gems in there. I think for, for the hardcore fan, this mm. is an exciting card. Mm. Like, I can look at this and be like, oh, whoa, okay, you got so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, you got some, there's, it's not a card that you'll tell everybody because not everyone knows who these people are. Exactly. But in terms of a fight fan, you, yes. there's some burners on there for sure. Mm. Um, Mark, so, Marquard Alvey, I have to say, yeah. that seems to be going under the radar. In terms of publicity, in terms of build-up, I don't know whether it's just me. I don't know whether it is because... Um, I'm submersed in this, but I'm not getting the feeling that this is being promoted to any great lengths or establishing it in people's minds that they need to watch this. And that's why I say, you know, this isn't really one that's going to set your imagination in light. But that's not to say that there aren't any gems in there. Because like I say, yeah. for me, Mark Hart, uh, Nate Marquardt versus Smiling Sam Alvey, I'll be definitely tuning in. Yeah, that. that'll because, be fun. Mm. You got the smiley face guy versus the... Uh not so happy face <laughs> you know Mark Wan's never really smiling that much it's a surprise to see him smiling but yeah I'm interested to see this fight I believe they're doing it's going to be at middleweight right um, and then also another one on the undercard that I'm really looking forward to is Asansal versus um, Aljamain Sterling um, Rafael Asansal I think his last fight was his loss to um, Dillashaw right yeah last year and then Sterling had a pretty bad um not bad fight, but you know he 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 was kind of winning at first, but then he lost to um, uh, Mr. Tate. Uh, I've forgotten his name, Brian Caraway. Yeah, yeah, and that I think that Mr. was the last Tate. time. <laughs> That's what people call him, Mr. Tate. I think a few people, you know, so a little bit. Even Al Jermaine was pretty disappointed with his performance there. So I'm looking forward to see him bounce back. Speaking um, of Al Jermaine, it, it's good to see that little tie-in with uh, with uh, Eric B. Have you yeah, seen yeah, what, yeah, what the yeah, UFC yeah. actually did? Yeah, yeah. I love that. That was little... UFC did that, right? Mm. Yeah, so for people who don't know, there was there was a little promo he had for that fight and um, he was with Eric B and he had the, you know, the fat gold chain and, you know, pretty Rakim-esque haircut as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, old school Rakim, with yeah. The old lines, so you, lines chucked in his head, yeah. So UFC definitely did me proud there, man. Uh, you know, imagine the, my two favourite things, man, MMA and the hip-hop together. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Al Jermaine. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he can come back with this one. I mean, it's going to be a... And Sansao is not a joke, because I remember he was... Um, he Before he got injured, and I think that was the whole point of getting him to fight Dillashaw, he was up there as a contender yeah. um, for the um, Bantamweight belt. So let's see how that goes. Also, Zhang, you know, Jing Liang, Zhang Jing Liang, he's the, the leech, uh, one of the Chinese prospects. He, he's definitely a good, um, a good one to look out for as well. Um, on the undercard and who else is there there's one more person oh yeah Rogerio de Lima he's an interesting character as well hard hitter I think he's fighting at heavyweight mm. um, and he's against Kimball on the undercard as well but um, moving on to the main card let's get some predictions in there and see 
where our heads are at. Before we go uh, onto the main card, I, I was looking um, in the week, mm. and as late as Wednesday, they still had um, John Phillips still on this card. Now, he was originally booked to fight. Um, God, I, I think the, the name De Silva uh, comes to mind. Anyway, it, it's just sad that... Um, what weight class is he? He's, he was fighting light heavy. Oh, so it might be Rogerio de Lima. Because he, he bounces from heavy to light heavy. Uh, and I think... Well, actually, I think he might have been in the tough as a heavyweight. In, You're uh, right. It, it, then, it is Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Yeah. He was due to fight... Um, uh, John Phillips. John now, Phillips, okay. that for me, that was that was palpitation, that was excitement because yeah. it's been a long time coming. Mm. John Phillips is a massive KO prospect wow. in terms of the guy is a heavy hitter. Yeah. I love listening to him. I love watching him, but this obviously wasn't to be. His uh, mm. visa issues wasn't actually sorted uh, out in time, and I'm man. really hoping. And I know you know the London card has actually you know, more or less been. Uh, sewn up. I'm really hoping against hope that he will be on the London. On yeah, the hopefully, London yeah. That, that hopefully. And you just, I'm glad you said that as well. You just, I just spotted who the other person that I was really looking forward to seeing was um, Shelton. I've forgotten his first name, but he's on the early prelims, on the fight price prelims, fighting um, Pantoja, and he was on the, the the last tough. You know the um, Demetrius Johnson, the whole thing about you know getting. Um, featherweight champions from different divisions to come meet up in the tough house and now have to you know see who's gonna face Demetrius Johnson for the title yeah Shelton did really well he was like one of the last picks or maybe the 15th seed or something like that mm. in the competition but ended up in the I guess you'd call it semi-final with um oh, sorry who fought uh with Tim Elliott. Right. Yeah, so he, he, you know, he turned a lot of heads because of that. Mm -mm. Not only because he's got a Showtime tattoo exactly where Anthony Pettis has got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he calls himself Showtime Sheltered as well. But, um, he, I mean, he was just really good. He had strong wrestling, great striking as well, very dynamic. Mm. So I'm glad to see that he got signed into UFC because a lot of us were wondering how many of these, you know, champions from other organizations are now gonna get a chance to fight in UFC other than the, the Tough House so yeah look out for that one as well um, but yes so I, as we mentioned man we're, we're gonna try and predict some of these right Caceres Knight <laughs> I'm going with Caceres only because I like the dude I like the whole Bruce Leroy shtick yeah. I like the the whole brand that he's building there and I, I like his whole um, I'm into the whole green aspect of yoga living. I, 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 I like I just veganism. like the yeah it, it's interesting and he's very He's got a very zen-like approach. So as I was speaking about um, Vaughn earlier, Vaughn Lee, Caceres yeah. to me is kind of similar in his approach. When he's in the cage, it doesn't feel like this guy's in a you know a, a fight where a guy might be able to knock him out. It just feels like he's just going to work and maybe do some painting or you know. It just doesn't feel like. Ugh. I think he's tending to his plants in his mind. Yeah, and his <laughs> plants. <laughs> <laughs> His green thumbs were. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, I, out of the two, I, I can admit I'm not too familiar with Knight. Um, so I would go for Caceres on that one. Mm. Um, just off the back of it, he seems like he's probably got a bit more experience as well um, in the UFC. Um, but that's, I, I mean, same thing. I love watching the guy fight. I really enjoyed his fight versus um, 
El Pantera last year as well. Yeah. Um, even though he lost, it was still quite, uh, to me, it was very competitive. It wasn't like one-sided um, too much. So, and then I, I guess this, the second fight on that, on the on the main card is going to be Arlovsky Nganu. Nganu. Woo! Right. Uh, I've been seeing posts uh, online. Do UFC not like Arlovsky anymore or something? Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, come on. You have to ask that because... Nganu is a beast. I know it's often thrown out there, this whole, oh, this dude's a beast, this beast, this guy's a unit. Come on. Yeah, I mean, but you look you look at the guy mm. and it's almost like he doesn't look real as well. <laughs> oh, no, he's like a computer character. Especially for a heavyweight. Yeah. It's very rare you see heavyweights that ripped. You know, when Brock came back last year and mm. was like, whoa, he's got abs. Like We found out why, obviously, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, heavyweights, is, it's very rare that you see them so chiseled and um, so athletic looking as well. Yeah. You know, shout out to, I'm a big fan of Derek Lewis, but there's a big difference between their body physiques, shapes yeah. yeah physiques yeah, yeah. um so and uh, i think you know this one is another one where i, I like both the guys i think ingan is definitely a top prospect coming up he's doing really well at learning english as well i watched um, a couple interviews with him yeah and compared to the interviews i saw for his last fight i was like whoa he's, he's done really well um nearly matching arlovsky's <laughs> Alaski can speak English, but they still need subtitles because it's hard to understand some of the words, which is funny. But to be honest, I think um, Ngannou's trainer did say something that stuck out, and he said Alaski's chin is quite questionable now. Um, and, you know, so getting the knockout is not going to be too hard. Exactly. Um, I think, uh, um, I haven't looked at the stats properly, but I'm pretty sure Ngannou's got some reach over Alaski as well and some size. Um, so, and just because of, you know, the fact that the interviews I saw with Arlovsky, he kind of had a tentative sort of approach of how he would, you know, he just didn't seem as confident as I'd want him to. Mm. And I've seen that with him before when he's gone up against somebody where he's like, whoa, I can't remember who it was, but he was going up against somebody where a lot of people were like, man, I don't know if he's going to win this. And he kind of, he was speaking the same way where it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's tough, he's this, he's that, but I'm going to go in there and, you know. So just off of the back of that, as well as the size advantage, I think Nganu might have this one. Um, it's, it's not just even the size. For me, it's the reach. Arlovsky's yeah. got a 77-inch reach. Nganu's got an 83-inch reach. This is going to be contested on the feet, mm. and it will be over in a flash. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, let's wait and see. I really like how Ngannou <laughs> dealt with um, the freight train, where he got the, um, I believe it was the Kimura. Mm. Um, he got it from standing up and then flipped him over. And then, you know, next minute, um, what's his name? Anthony Hamilton was on his back. And then Ngannou got his position right and is cranked. You know, you don't really see that that often, no. where it's like, whoa, all the way from there, you got mm. that over there. So mm. it's interesting to see that his, his um, you know, grappling game is, stepped up as well but I mean don't get me wrong let's give Arlovsky his due he's coming in there with significant experience, experience we're looking yeah. at 25 and 13 his, 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 his record mm. as opposed to you know Ngani which he, he's 9 and 1 yeah. but this is Ngani we're talking about <laughs> Cameroon's own my guy, I, I think they must like feed him like, like live deer or some kind of like wild beast. He, he hunts lions, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, where everyone else is hunting deer, he's hunting live packs. Like. 
Wow. Yeah, he's a beast, man. And, and he's got a real good attitude as well. I know Arlovsky's been saying he sounds a bit cocky. And I guess you've got to say that for someone who sounds confident. But, um, man, I'm looking forward to that fight regardless. Yeah. Um, because Arlovsky's quite sneaky as well with his striking. Mm. You know, he, he, he throw, he'll throw a right and then a backhand with that right and come back with a... You know, it's all in a sequence as well yeah. and quite confusing for people. Um, but yeah, as, as you've mentioned, Ngannou's got the reach, so as long as he keeps that distance, that might not be too much of a problem. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight for sure. But my pick would be Ngannou for that one. Mm. Moving on to Jorge Masvidal uh, versus Donald Cerrone. I'm going with Cerrone only because, come on, the guy's a killer. Yeah. This is, I mean, as well as that, I mean, really and truly, isn't it about time that he got a title shot? Yeah, <laughs> is, I mean, but he's had he's had his chances, man, saying that. You know, I know now he's talking about going for the welterweight belt. Yeah. Which is interesting because I haven't seen them, you know, I, I, I should look at their stats as well, but him, obviously now, Woodley is the champ at the moment. Mm. Woodley looks like he's a lot bigger than, than Donald Cerrone. Yeah. You know? And fair enough, Cerrone's already been beating guys bigger than him in the welterweight, you know, uh, Rick Story. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know. I, I can't. It's hard for me to look at the two of them and think, yeah, Cerrone could have him easily, you know. Or it just seems like, okay, this is going to be, you're going to have to work the cardio thing or there's going to be more to it than just like getting in there and striking. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, I, I'm definitely interested to see if that happens. So it's good to hear him talking about that. But him versus Masvidal mm -hmm. is going to be interesting because uh, they, it's, this has been a build-up. They were already meant to fight in the lightweight already. Yeah. already. And then I think Cerrone might have been the one who moved up first, was it? Or I can't remember the sequence of events, but yeah, yeah, they were actually scheduled to fight. Yeah, they were meant to now. fight a while ago. Mm -hmm. And then so now there's a bit of animosity built up and, and gladly so now they, they, they're getting to do it. I, I really like game bread. Like Jorge Masvidal for me, you know, and especially coming from that sort of street fighting background, you know, mm. similar to Kim, but the backyard fights, it cut, it shows a lot. These, these are two guys that love to fight. Yeah. You know, there's no doubt Cerrone, man, he's probably been the most active fighter in the last three years or something. Mm -hmm. um, and Masvidal, he's always, he talks like, yeah, this is me, you know. So it's just going to be like, okay, this is, they both got the heart, they both got the, the um, aggressiveness. And the striking ability. And I the striking ability. And wrestling as well. They're mm. both good wrestlers, you mm. know. Cerrone, he, he, he's a great defensive wrestler. Um, and his jiu-jitsu is crazy. Mm. You know, Masvidal, I haven't seen so much of his jiu-jitsu, but I know that his wrestling pedigree is up there and his boxing pedigree. So, man, I, I, don't even, I can't even pick with this, with this <laughs> one. I think... Gun to head, though. You have to gun choose. Gun to head, I'd say Cerrone... You know, just thinking about his last couple sequences with both Rick Story and uh, Matt Brown, mm. you know, and these are two guys that are bigger than him as well. Yeah. And I, I believe Masvidal might be have a slight size, adv size advantage on him, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, off of the back of that, if you've got a gun to my head mm. and uh, it's not a spud gun, 
then yeah, I'm gonna go for Cerrone on that one. Spike <laughs> gun for all the Americans is when you put potato in a gun. We used to have it as a kid. You shoot, you know, it's not a real bullet, by the way. <laughs> I think in terms of size, um, height-wise, Cerrone does actually take this at 73 inches oh, to um, Jorge Masvidal's 71 inches. But as well oh, as that, okay. for me, there's gonna be a lot of fu kicks in here because <laughs> Cerrone's coming in there with a 40-inch uh, leg reach, whereas okay, it's only wow, one. Yeah, okay. yeah, and. We know that uh, Masvidal can obviously strike, but uh, he will be coming there with a 74-inch reach over Cerrone's 73-inch reach. So, seriously, I think that we're going to see a lot of FU kicks here. Seriously. Yeah, this but is definitely the people's uh, main event, main event right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so let me ask you this. In terms of the end, do you see a knockout or submission? TKO. I, I see this TKO happening in the second round, wow. latter part of the second round, because he's going to come in there, um, sizing up with those or softening up with those kicks in the first two rounds. Mm. Or the fir first two rounds, the beginning of the second round is going to. I reckon he's going to really lay it on with the with the with the with the punches. You know, and um, I, I did watch the um, the uh, countdown to this as well. And one thing I noticed, even my missus said it as well, and Cerrone, you know, I noticed he was talking about age a lot more. Mm. Um, and he also looked, you know, I don't know whether they caught him when he just woke up or something, but he looked a bit, because he said, you know, Agent. I'm getting older now, and I'm 34. And my missus Mice was like, whoa, he looks old, man. Like, you know, he looked older than 34, which yeah. is true. And then you look at Jorge, similar age, I think. He might be 33 or something, but mm -mm. he looked a lot fresher. So I'm wondering, and you know, Cerrone was talking about the fact that, you know, when, he, when I was 24, I just get up and do, 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 do this and do yeah. that. And now, you know, he, he, it seems like maybe he's feeling the age now in terms of fight years, obviously, but... I'm guessing, I'm guessing that extreme sports does actually age you as well. Yeah. You have to remember, this is a guy who spends the majority of his life on Training. the beaches, mm. either um, doing water sports or basically out in the sun. That can dry you out. Yeah, and true. that can basically make you look more older than you are. Mm. But moving on, Shevchenko yeah. and uh, Pena. So sorry, I just wanted to confirm. Oh, so you're saying Cerrone on, on that as well? Oh, definitely. Okay, Cerrone, okay. yeah. <laughs> Team Cerrone over here. Yeah. Right, so the main event then, Shevchenko versus Pena. Mm. Woo! Now this one, I don't even... Let's look at the stats here. Right, so uh, Pena has got an inch height on Shevchenko. Um, she's also got reach she's got two inches reach on Shevchenko she's 69 Shevchenko is 67 um so I guess she's probably got leg reach on her as well but Shevchenko's striking man next level what she did to Holly Holm mm. was that was like how is this even possible that someone with a longer reach than you is not hitting you but you're always hitting them when you're a Muay Thai champion world champion mm. it comes a standard and I, th <laughs> she's, she's, I think also she's kind of adapted that Muay Thai style because the way she was bouncing in and out, you know, and getting away from um, Holly, Holly's punches and kicks was... I was just amazed at it because it just looked so weird that this girl who's way shorter than this other girl is hardly getting hit. Mm. And just making her look, you know, it made Holly look no way as good as she did, you know, obviously against um, Ronda Rousey and whatnot. So I, I feel like um, in terms of on the in the stand-up aspect, definitely Shevchenko has more of um, an advantage. 
But then when it comes to the ground game, you know, we've seen Pena's just been freight training everybody. Yeah. I don't think she's lost yet, has she? In, she lost in the UFC yet? Pena? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if she's um, even lost in the UFC yet, but... Pena has no losses in the UFC. Yeah. She's, she's on a, on a, on a four-fight win streak. Four-fight win streak. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously some of them, they, she likes to count her um, tough wins as well. Mm. She's a tough winner. So, you know, now she's like 8-0 in UFC in her eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fair enough. I don't blame anyone for saying that. It's still a fight. you still got to prepare the same way. It might be shorter, but there's still that amount in there. Um, now, in terms of her, I think... So, her grappling is going to be key in this. But, as I've mentioned, man, Shevchenko's footwork, in terms of getting in and out, pretty ridiculous. And she's got judo as well. She's got a judo background. So... Unless Pena's striking has, you know, been upped, unless she's worked on, you know, work uh, dealing with distance, she's obviously got a longer reach. So, um, and and the footwork and being able to get in and out, I don't know if it's going to be that easy for her to take her down. You know, the last time that uh, Pena fought was uh, July 9th, two thousand sixteen. I don't think between that time that she'll be have any advantage in mm. terms of working on game planning, striking ability, which I think that this obviously plays into um, Valentina Shevchenko's um, war chest. Mm. This, I really do feel, is going to be a stand-up war. I really yeah. do. I can't see how Pena gets anywhere near Shevchenko. You've got to look at the tools that she's got. Mm. Formidable, formidable striking ability, formidable kicks, formidable punches. It's going to just be raining down on Pena at any attempt of any mm. takedown. I just can't see it happening. I've got Shevchenko. I just think that, you know, she's too raw. Her power is just too ferocious. And I think giving that, that Muay Thai background, mm. I mean, we're looking at a world champion here, or yeah. a world champion. You know, the way that I look at it is this is a very exciting fight. Yes, but Shevchenko all the way. I've yeah. got Shevchenko. Uh, and uh, I'm looking at the uh, takedown defense of Shevchenko. She's got a 70% takedown defense ratio, which mm. is, that's up there, man. Mm. You know, and, and everyone knows Pena's game is punch to get, you know, strike get to get the clinch mm. and get the takedown mm. and either grind it out. Or she, it sounds like her jiu-jitsu game has stepped up a lot. So she's obviously going to look for the submission as well. But um, I think another thing to take into account as well is that Shevchenko you know, she uh, when she fought the current champion, Manda Nunes, um, she, you know, the first two rounds was like, fair enough, she, she's lost those. But she came back in a crazy way yeah. in, the, in the third round. And granted, that might be something to do with uh, Amanda's cardio at the time. You know, everybody talks about she, in the later rounds, she kind of loses a bit of, of gas or whatnot. But man, the, the fact that she could, she kind of, you know, Shevchenko I'm talking about managed to to make more of an, an advancement and, and just switch up her game a bit um, in that third round, I think says a lot to, you know, how this first round goes. If she sees that, okay, Pena's still on this, trying to just punch to get the clinch and take me down, okay, let me adapt to that. Um, I'm not sure what else Pena can add to her game at the moment. You know, because of what we've seen is more or less the same thing. She really dealt with Kat Singano well, you know, which is surprising because Kat's a strong wrestler. Yeah. Um, but, man, uh, Shevchenko is just like one of those fighters where you're like, whoa, okay, this is something we haven't really seen um, 
in um, you know the women's bantamweight yet. So um, let, let's find out, man. I think if I'm gonna go for a pick, same as you, I'm gonna go Shevchenko, um, just because I think she's probably got a bit, uh, a few more tools in her in her in her game, you know, yeah, than um, yeah. Pena. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this fight though. I don't know why it's appealed to me so much. I think because of the way I saw Shevchenko um, deal with Holly Holm. And then also, I think Pena, I really like her heart, her spirit. You know, she just seems like a a gritty sort of fighter that's yeah. willing to go all the way. Mm. And she's, you know, a bit tweaked. You know, <laughs> you watch, you can tell some people are a bit tweaked. Like, yo, you need that tweak yeah. in order to go into the octagon yeah. and, and, and muller somebody. So I like that. Shevchenko's got it as well. She's got a weird um, zen-like thing going on i like to be in wildlife and her, her camps she's always moving her camps around she's almost like she doesn't live anywhere you know that sort of nomad thing. yeah nomad <laughs> the nomadic ninja so yeah man i'm looking forward to this the bullet versus the venezuelan vixen and um that's gonna be this sunday january 29th 2017 um and uh you know brought to us by the ufc man the almighty ufc mm. brought to us by Medea and batman <laughs> <laughs> okay well that wraps up this episode of the wocast i have to say the mighty my stiggy you have you have entertained enthralled oh, and had me man. captivated i hope you had our listeners captivated yeah, as, we, here, uh, man. as we actually go forward with the new format of the wocast once again my stiggy it's been a pleasure having you on hey, the show. thank you for having me mate i really you know i feel proud to be part of the team and um you know, let's just build, man. Let's get World TV up to where it needs to be. And all you mother lovers out there, remember, this is the voice of Chocolate Velvet Cake. I'll be back. You can blame it on the line.